Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, and I'm joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fallen Through Plotholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part three of what is now going to be a five-part podcast about Final Fantasy VII and all the surrounding spinoffs and sequels related to that series. Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Hmm. I am... I am uh, in full Splatoon mode. I spent hours playing it yesterday. I'm in there. Exactly. You're so you're you're ready to experience you know what post apocalyptic scenarios are going to be happening in these games. So oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, there's going to be less fish people, which is honestly kind of disappointing. Yeah, they really should have thought of that. They really should have. Although there is like a weird like sewer people called the Sahagans that technically do have a society. Oh yeah. I feel like they shouldn't have fleshed out those random throwaway enemies very much. They really shouldn't, and yet they show up an awful lot throughout all these games. Mm. It's, it's kind of strange. It's kind of strange. But still, mm. good to hear you're doing well. I ate a bunch of candy corn this morning. Good. Yeah. Perfect. It, it's Yeah, it's September, and you know sometimes you make mistakes. And I decided mm-hmm. to continue making mistakes by going like, you know, I have a PlayStation 5. I should really replay Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's fair. Yeah, because I've never played, you know, um, uh, Integrade. You know, haven't checked okay. out all the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out you can't just buy that stuff anymore. You have, oh. to, you have to sign up for PS Plus Extra. <sighs> <laughs> so I gave them an extra dollar and some change and went, okay, I guess over the next 11 days, I need to like speed run through all this. They don't want to give them any more money past this. Okay, thank you for reinforcing my decision to just buy this on PC when I want to play Integrate and being done with it. Yeah, yeah, no, you made the right decisions, it turns out. Absolutely made the right decision. But yeah, so I have Final Fantasy clearly on the brain, and (laughs) it's like going through all the different games and whatnot uh, over the course of this podcast mini-series, I guess we can call it, uh, it's mm-hmm. really rekindled my love for that series, even as we've dealt with, you know, things such as Advent Children and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, today, today we're going to be dealing with a couple pieces of media, a game and a original video animation that uh, almost caused me to just retroactively hate the entire thing, regret <laughs> all my decisions in life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex, uh, is it fair to say that you're a fan of Zach Fair? I would say that's fair to say. Yes. 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 Well, good news, Alex. Today we're going to be talking a lot about Zack because it turns out the people at Square Enix really like Zack. Oh, yes. And they also really like retconning things for absolutely no reason. So, oh, yeah. Today we're going to go into the past, at least the Final Fantasy VII past, as we talk about a couple of prequel things. The first will be the original video animation, Final Fantasy, The Last Order, and that's going to be followed up with Final Fantasy Crisis Core, the one piece of the compilation of Final Fantasy, besides maybe Advent Children, that people greatly enjoyed, Mm -hmm. Uh, I presume for the gameplay, because the story is very bad. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Alex, have you dealt with any of those pieces of media i i've watched last order when it came out so this was that was you know years ago so yeah, it's not fresh in my memory 
And I played the first few hours of Crisis Core. Mm. What what do you think of Crisis Core? Uh, I'm going to file that under neat. Yeah. Seemed neat. It seems um, neat. Yeah. It, from its gameplay and whatnot, we're kind of maybe jumping a little ahead here, but like from its gameplay and whatnot, it seems mm. very proto, like action, like square action RPG, like where they yeah. eventually go with like like later Kingdom Hearts entries mm-hmm. and um, you know Final Fantasy fifteen, Final Fantasy seven remake. Like there's a lot of DNA that appears to be in there. How much that actually yes. was like moved forward from there, I'm not really sure, but it's a very interesting game. It's a very interesting yeah, game. definitely. And, like, there's a whole genealogy you can get into of, like, square action RPGs from Kingdom Hearts to Star Ocean to... Mm-hmm. Um, like the Mana games to an extent? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- this definitely has, like... It's definitely after, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 sort of started to set them on a formula mm-hmm. um, that would, you know... Evolving Kingdom Hearts 2 and inform Final Fantasy 15 and 7 Remake. Um, it's got its own interesting little spins on the general formula, mm-hmm. which are sometimes neat, sometimes weird. Yeah, yeah. There's a really weird, like, slot roulette system. Yeah. Like, just odd. <laughs> Wait, with blanking out certain reels because they're spoilers, which I found very funny. <laughs> But yeah, it's a very interesting game, but unfortunately, we're for the purposes of this, we're going to be dealing with its plot, and its plot is... Uh, yeah, they, y'all like more vaguely Christian-themed names? <laughs> you like a character who's basically an angel and his name is Angeal? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that clever? It's symbolism. It's the Theming. worst symbolism. I... There's not a more on-the-nose video game out there than I think than Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Yeah, it's it's pretty oof. It's pretty oof. But before we get to that, we have to deal with something that I meant to deal with the previous podcast episode, but mm. then we went just a little long. And, yeah. and that's a little animation called Final Fantasy VII Last Order, which, Alex, you said that you'd watched it way, way back in the day. Uh, yep. Do you remember anything about it or like how you felt about it at the time? Uh, I don't remember having very strong feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, like I'm trying to even remember. Okay. So I guess we, we should talk about the plot. I'll just say that I don't have very strong feelings other than, yeah, okay, that makes sense, I think. Yeah. I have very strong feelings about this. Okay. I think, and it's all because of one one scene. Mm-hmm. So this thing is about, I think, roughly about 22 minutes long. It's essentially like a TV episode length. And right. Last Order essentially tells two dueling stories. Uh, the first story is a saying to Turks, uh, trying to locate Zack and Cloud as they make their way to Midgar after escaping from Shinra's clutches. Their whole thing is that they want to capture Zack alive. Because they're worried that if the military catches up with them, they're just going to stone cold murder him. Because uh, it turns out that Zack and the Turks are basically friends. Or specifically yeah. Zack and Sing. Uh, yeah. And it basically it's basically Sing just being like, oh man, we got to make sure we get to him first. We can't let this happen to him. 
while at the same time, Zach is basically in the back of the pickup truck on the way to Midgar, basically talking to Cloud, like, hey, man, what are your dreams? Catatonic corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so that is one part of the story. The second part is the, basically the retelling of the initial incident at Nibelheim. Right. Which, for those of you who have not listened to part one of about Final Fantasy VII, Nibelheim was Cloud's hometown, the main protagonist of Final Fantasy VII, that got burned down by Sephiroth after he discovered his origins, kind of went crazy, and then was like, well, I guess I'm going to murder everybody and go get my mom, who's a space alien. You know, normal yeah. normal stuff. Yeah, very you know, as, as, you, as you do. So this... Second story, this kind of side B to this uh, side A, just retells these events. And this particular portion of the story was very controversial at the time. Uh, we're not going to go mm. over the entirety of it, because for the most part, it's the same. But there's a lot of different events that are kind of either out of order or just happen a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Tifa's father, for instance, um, is in the games, is found dead in the reactor core. Uh, in... This OVA, he's found dead outside of the reactor proper, like the reactor building. Um, mm -hmm. Tifa is also found injured outside there and has an entire conversation with Zack. There's a big giant battle between Zack and Sephiroth inside Genova's chamber inside the reactor. I, a lot of people were really upset about these, like these different retcons and these different pieces of the story that were very clearly different from Final Fantasy VII. Uh huh. Because how it works in Final Fantasy VII is that Sephiroth goes into Genova's chamber. Zack goes after him, immediately gets thrown out, literally a second right. later. Uh, Cloud goes in there, stabs him. Uh, Sephiroth walks out incredibly, incredibly injured while Cloud t tends to Tifa. Uh, Cloud runs after, gets stabbed, grabs Sephiroth and the sword, throws him into the live stream, then immediately passes out. That's just how more or less it happens to Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in here, and it is probably the biggest change here, and I mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely hate it. So, Zack goes in there, he fights Sephiroth, they have a very big, dumb sword fight. Okay, yeah. Uh, which, whatever, that's fine, I don't... Style of time. Style of the time, you're trying to make Zack look cool, I got it, whatever. I personally prefer Sephiroth to just body him with a second, <laughs> this is not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. What is a big deal is everything that happens afterwards. Because, you know, Cloud goes in there and he does stab Sephiroth. You know, he does go walk on out after that, has a conversation with Zack. Sephiroth leaves with, like, Genova's head and, you know, goes back out over to the bridge that's over, like, the live stream, all the Mako and whatnot. Uh-huh. This is the big change, though, that I really hate. Sephiroth stabs Cloud and lifts him up in the air like he normally does with this sword. Sure. Mm -hmm. But then Cloud, like... When he gets the like power to like lift him up and whatnot, and right. like, get that self actualization moment that you know he actually can do it, he does have what it takes. Mm -hmm. He just throws him against the wall. He throws Sephiroth against the wall, and then mm. Sephiroth's like, "Oh, look at you! You're actually very impressive and strong, mother. Look at him. He's so great. Oh, you're going to be very interesting in the future, Cloud." <sighs> okay. Yeah. But it gets okay. It gets worse though. Because then uh -huh. after that, he stabs Cloud again. It's like, <laughs> basically just be like, but you're still nothing, bitch. And right. then he takes Genova's head and he willingly jumps into the Mako. Right. 
Okay. I hate this scene so much, Alex. I hate this scene so much. Yeah. Okay. Because the whole thing is that with the original scene is that Sephiroth does not give a damn about Cloud. He stabs right. him. He tells him literally, don't push your luck. And right. then Cloud surprises him by like getting the strength and, you know, uh, wherewithal to just grab the sword and throw him to the Mako. And it, right. Sephiroth is just like entirely surprised about this whole time. He's like, this is not how it was supposed to go. Right. And like, it's just like this incredibly impressive moment of like Cloud just, you know, showing that, yeah, he can stand up to somebody as powerful as Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Um, when his, you know, his childhood friend has been grievously injured and he is just absolutely angry at what Sephiroth has done to his hometown and his family. Right. This right. is just him. He throws against the wall and then Sephiroth is like, oh, you're so important, Cloud. Anyways, now I'm going to take agency in here and just jump into the Mako. Right. And it's like the whole thing about Sephiroth, he doesn't, he, even throughout most of Final Fantasy VII, he doesn't give a damn about Cloud. And now, right. so it's like this weird elevation of like, of elevating Cloud up to this like pedestal of like super duper importance while mm-hmm. also at the same time taking away his signature victory. It sucks. I hate it. I absolutely right. hate it. I agree with you, but at the same time, this is my feeling about Sephiroth through the entire sequel compilation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally everything about Sephiroth after Final Fantasy VII is Sephiroth is obsessed with Cloud. Mm-hmm. And it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think Sephiroth, after the point of Nibelheim, says one word of personal significance to Cloud. No, yeah, he really does not. Like, the most he even talks to him is after he stabs Aerith. And he's basically just monologuing at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he only, like, breaks it just to tell Cloud's like, listen, people dying doesn't matter. I'm going to absorb yeah. all this. So why are you sad, you little baby? Yeah. But to, to, for for Sephiroth to then be like, oh Cloud, I I I hate you. I'm so fascinated with hating you. I want to bring you despair, blah blah. It's just and like there is there is an angle to it that I can kind of understand. There's an angle to it where I think it can work if mm-hmm. they stick the landing, which remains to be seen. But yeah. I, to do it in last order, where none of this had happened yet, is stupid. Yeah. It's like, incredibly stupid. I'm fine with it in something like Avid Children. Like, right. Where it's like, it's after Cloud and Sephiroth had a big fight, and you know, Cloud like and his team clearly stopped him. Then I can see Sephiroth right. being like, okay, I should pay more attention to you. Right. But here, and, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's... That's really the big change that happens here. The story basically ends with a sniper about to take out Cloud, um, and then Zack jumps in front of him and takes the bullet. Uh, and then it just leads into essentially what happens in Final Fantasy VII, which is Zack right. fights a bunch of Shinra troops, gets gunned down, uh, Cloud takes his sword, and then walks off to Midgar. The end. And that Which I'm uh, I'm still somewhat hazy on how exactly all the logistics of that worked out. Because I remember Zach getting shot and then like falling down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what happens after that. Literally, Cloud just like finally comes out of his catatonic state, grabs his, uh, his sword, uh-huh. and then just walks off to Midgar. Like the soldiers right. like do find Cloud, but they're like, oh, he's completely messed up. He's just going to die out here anyways. We're 
lazy soldiers. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that was the explanation. They just were like, eh, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. They're like, well, he's basically dead. He has Mako poisoning, so what does it matter? I mean, I was going to say, isn't he like an important Genova experiment subject at that point? But I guess they don't know that. Yeah, I think um, the whole thing with the army is that their mission was just to kill them, which is why the Turks are like trying to get to there first, because like, no, right. no, 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 no. He's more important. They're, they're more important than that. They're more important. Why? Why is the army just trying to kill them, though? Wouldn't Hojo be like, no, don't. I need that. I need that. That's mine. Yeah, it's that part is not clear. If They got like separate orders from I mean, the thing about like all the different departments in Shinra's, they are constantly fighting. Right. So like the Scarlet was just like, yeah, kill him. Yeah. Scarlet hate hate girl like nah, just kill him. Whatever, man. And Hojo's like, no, I need them because they're cells. I can splice them with a carrot or something. I don't know. They're like, shut up. You're gross. <laughs> Which is the right response, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the last order. Everybody hated it. They hated it so much that when all these events are recreated in Crisis Core, uh, they went out of their way to fix a lot of things. Fair enough. Which, speaking of, we should talk about really the main event of this entire episode. <sighs> and that is Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Now, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I'm preparing myself because on a fundamental level, I kind of hate that this game exists. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the general premise of this game is, hey, what was up with Soldier? And the answer yeah. is, I don't care. Yeah, the answer is, is that um, it really doesn't matter. And also your explanation of what's up with Soldier is just the most batshit insane thing <laughs> yeah, in the world. It's it's wildly insane. It is wildly insane, which kind of makes sense given uh, uh, the main writer is Kazushige Nojima. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So that's sort of par for the course there. Yeah. He's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, But it's... So... Writing a sequel to a beloved property is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Writing a prequel to a beloved property is almost a no-win scenario. Yeah. Like, I have been racking my brain for weeks trying to think of an example of one done well, and, like, I don't have one. I would argue that Metal Gear Solid 3 gets there, but um, yes, and there's all okay. the stuff after Metal Gear Solid 3. That's right, right, little, right. No, no, okay. But you, no, you're right. Snake Eater is absolutely... Snake Eater is the best part of Metal Gear Solid. So that, good call. That, yeah. that, that's the exception. Um, like, the best I could come up with was, like, The Godfather Part 2. Yeah. Which, but even like the the prequel, quote unquote, parts of that movie aren't really a prequel. They're just like scenes in the past that kind of develop the character. Yeah. Like the actual plot is still a sequel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's not a dedicated prequel, like say like Star Wars episode one or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prequels are tough. They're very, very yeah. tough because really the only, like... The only other good prequel I can think of is Nice of the Old Republic, and that's not really a prequel if you no. said a thousand years in the past. Yeah, no, that's that's a, just a game. That's a different story set in the same universe as another story. Yeah, yeah. So that I, that in of itself doesn't count. It's also like 
it's along the same vein of setting a sequel a thousand years in the future, like Lunar right. 2, where it's like, yeah, sure, you can claim this is a sequel, but let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> no no one cares. It's like, I think Xenogears and Xenosaga are in the same universe. No one really knows. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it it doesn't matter if there's that big of a time it, it period between matter. the two. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, Crisis Core is going to try to be that prequel that works, and like, I'm going to give Crisis Core credit for one thing. Mm-hmm. The relationships that but that Zack has with Cloud and Aerith, I think, are at least decently done. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of those, I think, is done actually a lot better than the other. And uh, spoilers, <laughs> I don't think it's Zack and Aerith. I think it's Zack and Cloud. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, there's going to be just a uh, lot uh... of incredibly, incredibly strange issues with this. So... Crisis Core was released in 2007 as one of the last pe- like pieces of the uh, compilation of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the Avent Children Complete movie did come out in 2009, and of course that really dumb novel, The Kids Are All Right, uh, mm. came out in 2011, I believe? Mm-hmm. So there are still other little pieces here and there, and of course all the stuff that's coming out now about Final Fantasy VII is technically part of the compilation, but part of First Run, this was kind of the last thing. Right. Uh, it was released as part... Wait, um, was it after Dirt Cerberus? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? Wow, they really rushed Dirt Cerberus out. They did. Dirt Cerberus, I believe, is either 04 or 05. Oh, my God. Yeah, in fact, you know, I'm just going to confirm this right now. Oh, God, it was much later than that. It was 2006. Oof. Oof, indeed. That's a pretty late-era PlayStation 2 game. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was released for the PlayStation Portable, uh, you know, Sony's uh, a t- a competitor to the Nintendo DS. Uh, a portable that I thought was really cool until you realize what type of games they were putting on there for the controls yeah. that they had. Yeah. Such as this game, a 3D action game that has one stick to work with. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not, uh, not exactly the world's best. Uh, that being said, though, it was a game that was pretty well received uh critical response would had about uh an 83 out of 100 on metacritic with uh like companies or not companies uh outlets such as famitsu giving it a 35 out of 40 gay pro gave it four and a half out of five stars uh generally it was regarded as like hey man no this is actually good this is actually worth you know having a p a psp for mm-hmm. and Every person I've talked to who's like played Crisis Core has been like, yeah, no, this game is really cool, man. This thing's absolutely awesome. We absolutely love it. And it it ended up selling about 2.1 million units worldwide. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, pretty good success overall. And it's enough of the success and kind of like one of the few bright spots of the compilation that it's actually getting a remaster that's coming out later this year. Yeah. Which I totally forgot about until I looked into this. Uh, called Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, which is going to be released on literally everything. <laughs> so we're going to see how well people's memories of this game hold up. Yeah, I can't wait, because uh, it sounds like uh, they didn't really mess with the combat at all. No, no. Which, uh, hmm. Yeah, look, looking at the animations in this game, yeah, it looks pretty, uh, pretty much like it was. Yeah. It, this game has a very like Kingdom Hearts 2 sort of vibe to me in the sense of like mm-hmm. I bet you I would have loved this said back then. But yeah. Probably playing it nowadays is going to feel abysmal. It it 
and I will have to check the dates to remember if this is right, but it feels like the middle point between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense because Kingdom Hearts 2 was a 2004-2005 game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would actually make perfect sense. Yeah, so people really, really enjoyed this game and whatnot, but um, of course, we're going to be talking more about the story, and I... As far as like how people felt about the story, it seems to be a little bit more mixed on that. Mm, yeah. Like most people will seem to basically agree that, well, some people think that like, you know, some of the additional elements and additional characters felt rather forced in the story. Right. Uh, some other people though, like one up.com said it's one of the best prequels of all time, arguing it does a better job of putting players into final fantasy sevens world than the, even the original game did, which I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Um, One Up was a very hit or miss website. It really was. It really was. I will say that looking through this story, some of the additional Ooh. characters that they're going to add in this just simply do not work. And their yeah. attempts to reference other characters, Final Fantasy VII, are going to feel incredibly tangential. Uh, one of those characters, oddly enough, is going to be Sephiroth, who somehow not only plays a prominent role in the story, but yet somehow doesn't matter. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, there's a good reason why he doesn't and kind of can't matter. Yeah, there's a reason, all right. Uh, because this game starts out before the events in Nibelheim and then continues afterwards. Right. And so he sort of has to disappear. Right. And that's sort of the game's fundamental problem is that it wants to be its own own story but it also needs to be a direct prequel to ff7 mm -hmm. so it can't move the pieces away from where seven needs them to start yeah it needs to move around that mm -hmm. and that's where it gets super awkward yeah yeah no totally totally so they what they have to do is they have to introduce a bunch of other characters that trust me they have always existed Yep, always. Just off always screen. Here. Just laughing with Zach. It's fine. Um, but it also doesn't, like, part of the, another part of the reason that it wants those characters and the story it has is because it doesn't, it doesn't just want to be a prequel to Seven, as in, like, it doesn't want to feel smaller or less important than Seven. Mm -hmm. It wants to be its own big, important story, but mm -hmm. it's, borrowing some of seven's characters to tell it which means it needs to give them back it's uh it's, it's really weird yeah why prequels are hard it's why prequels are hard exactly exactly yeah it's uh it's a very strange game and it gets even stranger because it also has like some weird cross promotion that happened uh with one of the with the, actually the primary antagonist of this game a character named mm. genesis because that character is heavily based upon a Japanese musician by the name of Gat. <sighs> oh. <laughs> it's time to talk about Gak. It's time to talk about Gak. Gak is... I, I presume he's still pretty big in Japan now, but he was incredibly big uh, around the mid-2000s. Uh, mm -hmm. Known for... Um, Known for like just a lot of um, a lot of visual K, he was part of a visual K rock band by the name of Malice Miser. Started his solo career in 1999 and released nine studio albums with 48 singles, which is seems kind of ridiculous. Uh, yeah, he was, that's a lot. 
Apparently, he holds the male soloist record for most top 10 singles in Japanese music history. And uh, has, in general, sold over 10 million records of his various albums. So, pretty big deal as far as the as far as the Japanese music industry is concerned. Now, around the mid-2000s, Square had this real thing about wanting to push Japanese artists internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most famous one, um, or most uh, known one, is... I'm going to mispronounce her. Hikari Yuteda, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, who was the main vocalist in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Still and is kind of. She's actually, yeah, she actually still is, and um, you know, had a lot of had a lot of awesome bangers in those games mm-hmm. that um, were released in North America as part of Square Enix Records. As far as I know, they never really charted, but <laughs> yeah, which is too bad because Simple and Clean is a banger. It is. It, the, she was big on Kaza, I'll tell you that. Oh yes, she absolutely was. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely was. So Gax was didn't quite have like the same relationship with Square as, as she did because he was already kind of his own established thing and he didn't really right. necessarily need Square. But yeah, uh, one reason or another, um, they wanted him to be pretty heavily involved with the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, and this game is along with Dirge of Cerberus is where he's going to make his biggest mark. Uh, for the character of Genesis, our main antagonist, which we'll describe a little bit later, he's directly modeled after uh, the his physical resemblance. And a lot of his clothing designs and even some of his lines were influenced by Gact. Like, he had his own personal uh, input into this character. Right. Uh, which, given that he is kind of a tryhard who loves poetry, uh, does not speak well of him, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Genesis a lot. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's gonna have his fingerprints kind of all over this, and I mean other like Square properties as well. He's just gonna be just kind of hanging around Square for a good. Well, actually, he still is to this day. Yeah, <laughs> but very very prominently during the two thousands and whatnot. Yeah, but with that, I, I think we maybe we should finally jump into the plot of Crisis Core. All right. All right, Alex. So, Crisis Core. First off, uh, four hours of cutscenes. My my notes literally start with four hours. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I already know I'm in for a good time rereading these. So, Crisis Core has numerous uh, time skips and whatnot. The first one starts a few years before the game starts. Uh, during the war with Wutai. For those of you who need a little bit of a refresher on that, Wutai is an independent nation that's basically Japan in the Final Fantasy VII universe, and they are fighting against Shinra, which is basically the standard for America. Mm. Uh, and the war is going badly for them. And it opens with the same music. With the, So the game opens with the same music as Final Fantasy VII, except like it's on the pictures now of like under construction Midgar. And we start with a mission that Zack is on in order to stop Wutai soldiers who have had to trade in Midgar. Zack is a soldier second class, and he is under the command of another dude by the name of Angeal. Spelled A-N-G-E-A-L. And yes, that is on purpose. Yep. Now, Angeal basically looks exactly like Zack, and uh, is basically Zack if he was older and a narc. Uh, also... Zack does not have his signature Buster Sword. Rather, he just uses a giant broadsword. And Angeal is the one with the Buster Sword. I wonder if this will matter. I wonder. 
So Zack messes, messes up a bunch of Wutai soldiers that address as Shinra guards and whatnot. And uh, like even when the train comes into station, he hops off the, like the train the same way Cloud does to start Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and eventually, though, as he gets through the like the facility, he runs into Sephiroth, who fights Zack, breaks his sword to two, and is about to stop him when Anchiel stops Sephiroth from doing that. Anyways, it turns out Zack has failed his mission, and this was all a training mission. Whoops. Oops. Yeah, and Anchiel's like, yo, Zack. You have to think about what your dream is, and you have to have your honor. Otherwise, none of this matters. You will never be a first-class soldier at this rate. And Zag's like, oh, man, but what's my dream? And he's like, well, I already know what my dream is. It's to become a hero. And so <sighs> Zach's like, well, it kind of sucks that I'm basically doing nothing but training missions, and like not over in Wutai, like my hero Sephiroth and whatnot. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm here at Soldier Headquarters kind of doing things. And then, like, Angel shows up again. He's like, hey, listen, you need to come with me. We need to go talk with Director Lazard, who's the director of the Soldier program. Mm -hmm. It turns out there's been a mass defection of Soldier First Classes. Uh, specifically, a member of Soldier by the name of Genesis, who's gone missing in Wu-Tai. So Zack and Angel are like, hey, you need to go, or we're going to go and figure this out. Like, Lazard there is, like, also asked, like, Zack what his dream is. Like, oh, it's to become a hero. And he's like, ha, ah, yeah, unattainable dreams are the best kind. <laughs> Anyways, off you go, you precocious little <laughs> scamp. So in Wutai, Zack and Angeal attack a fortress. Uh, Angeal basically sneaks in while Zack rushes head on. Because Zack basically tells it, his thing is like, I'm just going to run in there and just mess people up. That's my plan for every situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zack. Yeah, Zack's entire character is that he's incredibly peppy and happy and just wants to get in there and just fight. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. I like him. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, uh, Zach runs into the fortress. He actually ends up running into a nine-year-old Yuffie. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, yeah, he gets pretends to get beat up by her, and she flees. It's, uh, as I have in here in all caps, uh, really unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, Zach beats up a bunch of monsters that are meant to be, like, anti-soldier, like, weapons. Uh, one of them nearly gets the upper hand, but, like, Angel saves him at the last moment. And, like, all during this time, like, Angel, like, doesn't fight with the Buster Sword, but this is, like, the one time he uses it. And Zack's like, oh, man, you never use your Buster Sword because you never want it to be scratched or whatnot. He's like, ah, listen, you're much more important than some dumb sword. Don't worry about it. Wait, what do you mean he doesn't want it to be scratched? Because apparently it's, like, a family heirloom. Like, his family gave it to him when he joined Soldier. And, his family like, gave him a giant slab of iron sword? Yeah, yeah. And his thing is, like, well, this is... This is based on my family's honor is imbued in it, so I don't want it to be damaged. How does his family lift that? Good question. This is not their <laughs> job. It's Angeal's. <laughs> like, the implication of the Buster Sword is that only someone with, like, soldier's Mako conditioning can wield something that big. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they got, uh, like, three of them to hand it to Angeal. They went, Rad, I will never use this. Okay. <laughs> so, that seems like a lot of weight to lug around on the battlefield for emergency situations but okay mm -hmm. yeah it, it seems like it but hey you know this was an emergency blacksmith and... exists you know you can just fix it <laughs> yeah but it's one of a kind it's one of a kind actually I wonder how Angeal's ghost because spoilers he's dead uh, uh -huh. Feels about it rusting on a random cliff top outside of Midgar now. 
probably real pissed about that one. Probably, yeah. It's like that's not that's not your legacy to stick in the ground. <laughs> Damn it, spiky hair blonde boy I've never met. Cloud's my like, sword. I miss Zach. Zach was cool. So I'm gonna hey. look at Zach's sword for a while. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Director Lazard shows up because he wants to observe everything personally and see how Zach's doing, and. He, Zack, and Angeal get assaulted by an unknown force. Like, they look like Wu-Tai soldiers, but aren't. And, like, Zack has to fight Infrit, the summon. Uh-huh. Like, he almost gets defeated again, but then Sephiroth shows up and saves him. Is like, basically, he's like, man, you suck. Yeah. Anyways, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> and so, like, um, Zack and Angeal are like, well, I'm cool, I guess. Whatever, <laughs> uh... They take off, like, the um, helmets of these Wu-Tai soldiers, and it turns out they all have the face of Genesis! Turns out they're a bunch of clones of Genesis! And like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on with this? And then Angeal just, like, goes missing all of a sudden, and Zach's like, wah, what? What's it? Sephiroth, what's going on? He's like, oh, uh, I guess uh, they're traitors. <laughs> it's like, wait, how'd you come to this conclusion? <laughs> Well, they they were here, and now they're not, so it must be traitors. Yeah, it must be traitors. Fuck those guys, I guess. Anyway, let's just go back to Soldier HQ. So one month passes, and, like, Zach goes to meet with Zard, who was like, hey, you need to go to Genesis' hometown of Benora, and I want you to in- interrogate his parents. Also, we're going to send along one of the members of the Turks. His name is Zen. He's just going to kind of hang out with you. Uh, oh, by the way, Sephiroth was assigned to do this, but he refused to go for some reason. And <laughs> he's Sephiroth. We literally cannot force him. <laughs> so, yeah. This whole game is basically just raises the question of, so why was Soldier not disbanded like years before Nibelheim? Right? <laughs> <laughs> All these guys are, like, super strong and basically unaccountable. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, Zach and Singh, like, uh, end up going to his village. And they have, like, kind of a terse relationship because, like, Singh is, like, super serious and Zach is, like, super jokey and whatnot. Right. And also, the Turks have a reputation of doing the dirty work. And so, Zach's, like, a little hesitant about working with them. But it turns out, you know, they get along great and are a great team. Uh, and this is proven when he get attacked by a bunch of mechs and Genesis clones. Um, Sang also just drops that Shinra came up with the ability to make clones at some point. Oh, and it's yeah. Like, oh, that should have come up earlier, I think. But all right, cool. So before all this happened, Angeal like told Zach that if he wants to be a first class soldier, he needs to know what dumb apples are. And Zach's like, I don't know what dumb apples are. He's like, oh man, you're not going to learn anything at this rate. This is a, should be a dumb throwaway line, but it's going to be uh-huh. super duper important for some reason. Yeah. Because the home, like, Bonora has a bunch of apples called dumb apples. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so when they get there and see all these dumb apples, like, Zach's like, oh, man, I feel like I've heard about that somewhere before. Huh. And then, like, it, he hears, a, like, he hears, like, a dumb, I guess, a flashback to a dumb story that Angel talked about. How it's like, oh, man, yeah. I was friends with this rich kid in town and like I used to steal from everybody, but I wouldn't steal from the rich family. I wouldn't steal their dumb apples because I was friends with their with their their, um, their son and whatnot. And, you know, thieves don't rob friends and whatnot. And so Zach's like, there's apples here. 
I wonder if Angeal's from here, too. I don't know. I'm going to keep going, I guess. Wait. Wouldn't that have been in, like, his profile or something? Yeah, it probably would have been. Zach doesn't read. <laughs> Zach is... Oh, my God. Does he listen to the briefings? I... Zach Stupid is... Stupid question, I know. Zach is not a... Zach's not a smart boy. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Zach's not a smart boy. <laughs> Poor Zach. Zach, Zach. Zach is a puppy dog. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Zach finally, like, puts two and two together. It's like, oh, Angeal must... This must be Angeal's hometown, too, and they must have been friends. Oh, that's kind of crazy. And so... Zack, like, finds out that Genesis came back to town a month ago and murdered a lot of people for some reason. Uh, and apparently Angeal came here as well and left the Buster Sword. Uh, and this is where we learned that the sword represents his family's honor for some reason. Because, like, Zack goes and, like, talks, like, to Angeal's uh -huh. mom and finds out all this information. So, saying Zack goes to, like, the factory on the outskirts of town because they hear that Genesis was spotted there. And mm -hmm. Sang points out that Angeal Genesis were Sephiroth's only friends. And that's why Sephiroth didn't want to come along because he didn't want to kill his friends. And it's like, oh, what? What? Sure. Okay. Sure. So. I mean, I feel like they're making a lot of complexity when they could just say, oh, yeah, all three of them were soldiers first class together. Mm hmm. Yeah. And they fought a lot of fun battles together and they developed camaraderie. Yeah, like yeah. the end. like we know they're all soldiers. Mm -hmm. They're all first class. Of course, like it's not you don't need to go out of your way to explain how they have a connection to each other. You they're know. in the same group. Oh, but they decide they're going to go a real long way to explain the connection between all three of these in oh, excruciating detail. Is this why they all have biblical names. <laughs> yes. So uh. So at the factory, um, Zack runs into Genesis. Now, Genesis' big thing is that he's constantly either holding a book or a dumb apple, and he is constantly <laughs> reciting poetry at it. Is it is it apples because Eden? Yes. God. Of course it is. Uh. <laughs> so okay. he quotes basically a poem that is a famous poem in the Final Fantasy VII universe called Loveless. Loveless was a billboard that shows up for like a second or two in Final Fantasy VII after Reactor blows up. And uh -huh. basically people kind of like flashed onto it. And I guess Square did too. Yeah, sure. It became a play. And then they retroactively said, okay, no, it's also uh, this poem that the ancients used. Uh, also, it's directly a prophecy that's tied to Genova. Also, the last oh, act is missing and it might actually explain how the world ends. It's so stupid. It's that's really stupid. Like the idea of like, oh, there's a billboard. What is that? Uh, it's a, it's a play. It's a show. Mm -hmm. Oh, it, it's a it's a poetry. It's like Shakespeare. Okay, good, done. Yeah, done. World building established. Thank you. Great. No, but but what if there was something that the ancients like talked about and like they only found the first four acts and the fifth act is missing and people <sighs> wrote entire theses about what the fifth act actually means. That's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, it's great. It's great. So yeah, Genesis basically whole thing is to like try hard, recite very vague poetry that's supposed to be deep and meaningful, but it's right. essentially like, hey, the world's going to end because of Genova. That's literally what it is. Uh-huh. 
And he's like, I wonder what all this means. Everyone has theories. I have theories. It's like, dude, it's nothing in there is that complicated. How do you all not figure this out? So he's like, yeah, no, I totally am a traitor. I'm going, I'm here to basically just destroy the world and whatnot. And uh, I have my clones and it turns out I'm degrading because of the things I've discovered about myself and the cells within me. And it's like, oh, okay. all right. That sucks. And he's like, yeah, it really is. Anyways, look at the, my black wing that I just sprouted from my back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it turns out he has a single black wing. They're so obsessed with the wing. Oh, man. They're going to really get into it, too. Okay, help me remember. In the original game, does Sephiroth even have a, a wing at any point? Just a separate black wing. Um, he might on one of his models, but like it's just they're so low poly and not right. textured that it's only like, possible to say. I I think his final form has like many wings. Yeah, Safer Sephiroth has a lot of wings, but like I don't know right. if Bizarro Sephiroth just has like a single one or something. Right. Well, so the thing is, I'm pretty sure. So Sephiroth's theme song is called mm -hmm. "One Winged Angel." Yeah. But I think that name actually refers to Genova, whose form, one by the time she's in the tank, has like a single protrusion from her back. Like it looks like she had two, but at one, at some point one broke off. Mm -hmm. So she has like effectively a single wing-like extrusion. Yeah, yeah. And like that, she's the one-winged angel. Genova is the one-winged angel. Get over the freaking black raven wing. But it's so dark and mysterious and cool, Alex. It's, oh my god. So dark and mysterious. And now everyone has a black wing. Jensen has a black wing. All his clothes can sprout black wings. And you know who else can sprout wings? Angeal, who shows up. Of course, of course, Angeal can, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it turns out he can sprout a wing, but his is white. Because he's an angel. Uh, he's, because he's, he's an angel. Yep, yeah. yep, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, Angel, like, shows up and is, like, just long enough to point a sword of Genesis and is like, I'm not going to join your cause, Genesis. And Genesis is like, but you should, because we're one and the same. And Zack's like, I can I do anything here? And they're like, no, no. they'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zack goes back to town because he's like, oh, no, Angel's mom might be targeted by Genesis. And he gets back to... Her house suffice that she's dead and Angeal's there. And then Zach puts two and two together and is like, You must have killed your mom and starts beating the hell out of him. And Angeal's like, I'm not gonna tell you anything. Why? And, and he just leaves. Why does Angeal not if Angeal's not joining Genesis, why doesn't he say anything to anyone else? That's an excellent question. He just doesn't for some reason. It's real stupid. It's real stupid. Yeah, um, so like he like runs out to follow Angel, and then like literally Jensen just shows him just trips Zach, <laughs> and it starts speaking, speaking more stupid poetry. Summons Bahamut. Zach has to fight him, and then um, after that, Genesis spawns his black wing again and explains he's a monster without honor, just like all soldiers. All soldiers are monsters without honor. Angel is one. I am one, and you will be one. And then they fly away, and then Zach has to run out of the village before it gets hit by a Shinra airstrike. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. Hey, great. Time skip happens. And hey, the War of Wutai is over. G great. Cool. D they really did nothing with that, didn't they? 
Anyways, Zack gets a promotion to the soldier first class, but he's real, real sad because his friend and mentor is a traitor. And, you know, he just has doesn't know what his meaning of life is anymore. Anyways, Lazard, like, brings him in and is like, hey, listen, man, we have the army. They're going to just go murder Angeal and Genesis when we find him. That's not going to work. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> what do you think Soldier is, dude? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it will eventually work on a Soldier first class, like, about yeah. four years from now. <laughs> One with, like, the fewest Genova cells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> turns out but yeah he's like okay listen though I'm gonna have you team up with Sephiroth to do oh no our headquarters is under attack by uh, Genesis clones oh sure so Sephiroth shows up and is like oh hey by the way I know what's going on here a dude by the name of Dr. Hollander uh, he's behind this uh, he has grudge against Shinra because they put Hojo in charge of the science department and so now he's helping to make Genesis make a bunch of clones just want to let you know that Anyways, we should uh, stop these people and then stop all the Genesis clones rampaging through Midgar. So I'm, I'm going to leave the story now for another hour. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, Zack uh, ends up going out into the city. Like, he runs into Reno and Rude for sure, basically like the does. five minutes that they're relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds right. Runs into Sen. Uh, but then he runs into the one Turk other than Sen that actually matters in the story. A a brunette, actually kind of like more like reddish hair, uh, uh. named wo- woman by the name of Cisne. Cisne is a Turk who basically, like, they immediately like hit it off. Like Zach is mm-hmm. immediately horny for her. Uh, <laughs> he's like just like immediately starts hitting on her, and she's like, "We kind of don't have time for this, you know." Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, I remember correctly, she's kind of a big deal in the Turks too. She is kind of. We'll be talking about her more before Crisis. Uh, okay. Yeah. Where they actually don't really talk about her a whole lot. I think she, she doesn't actually have a name in that game. But oh yeah. But yeah, he in this story she basically ends up being Zach's handler more or less. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That. Yeah. Like he ends up like saving uh, Cisne from like a Genesis clone and like. And, like, she, like, comments, like, oh, man, they have, like, wings. That's really weird. And then, like, she then says a bunch of dumb stuff about how wings symbolize freedom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Zach's like, but no, they're all monsters. Monsters can't be free. And it's real stupid. What? I hate it. Yeah. What does that mean, Zach? Mm-hmm. I know, right? So, Severoff calls Zach and tells him that, hey, Agile's was spotted nearby. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go after him. And so, like, Zack, like, runs to, like, a bunch of Sahagans. Like, he beats them up, and one of them has Angeal's face! Ah! And it's like, oh, no, maybe Angeal is a monster! Maybe we all are monsters! Or maybe they just stuck Angeal cells in Sahagans to see what the hell will happen? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. That seems like something Hojo would do. Yeah. It really would seem like it. Anyway, Sephiroth catches up with him, and he basically reminisces with Zack about how him and Jill and Genesis were, like, real cool friends and whatnot, and, like, there's, like, a big cutscene where, like, they're in a training simulation, and, like, Genesis is like, I'm gonna beat you up, Sephiroth, to prove I'm stronger. Sephiroth's like, no, you ain't. <laughs> and basically just bodies him. And, like, but how, like, that was just, like, supposed to demonstrate, like, how, while they're all friends, they're, like, not near Sephiroth's level, but one day they will be, and it's... 
No, they're all big friends. Yeah, they definitely will not be. So, like, Sephiroth's like, man, I really do miss him. And Zack's like, well, we're going to go and kill them, right? And it's, I'm going to be really sad about that. And Sephiroth's like, like, no, no, no. Listen, we're going to go and save them. We're going to go convince them to come back because they're my friends, just like your, you know, Angel's your mentor. It's going to be fine. And so Zack's like, yeah, I like you again, Sephiroth. This is great. So it turns out, like, Underneath one of the reactors is Hollander's secret lab, and they find information about something called Project G. Which oh, are, God. Project G is an attempt to put DNA in the, of the ancients into fetuses in order to make them into ancients themselves. Sounds familiar? I bet it does. That's basically sure the Genova Project. Yep. Yeah. Hollander is basically just like surfer dude uh, Hojo. Like, he literally has, I think, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure he wears board shorts and, like, has, like, a cool goatee and long hair. Uh... Like medium-ish hair. He's he's shaggy. Uh-huh. He's a shaggy guy. Okay. Anyways, um, it it turns out that like uh, in a flashback, Genesis ended up having a wound that wouldn't heal, and like Angel had to do, like donate some of his cells to help him out because he was the only compatible donor, and that kind of made wait his... what? Yeah, yeah. This just comes out of nowhere. And it donate turned... his cells. Yeah, so that Genesis could heal up. Like his. Yeah. Like it's ancient cells? Yeah, and that's how Genesis found out, oh, they did experiments on me. And that's what kind okay. of what set him down the path of like betraying soldier. Is Sephiroth here for this conversation? Um I don't remember. I think he is. He probably is. That's stupid. Yeah, right? If he if he is there, it's very stupid. I don't I don't quite remember if he is or isn't. But yeah. They they wanted to make so Shinra wanted to make ancients by the way so they just happened to mock them right effectively. yeah it's 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 all it's all about getting the money so Project- wait a minute they had this whole program of like what if we we can harvest Cetra cells and put them in soldiers to make super so to remake new Cetra and then Hojo's plan is well what if I just made her with a dog. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Why is Hojo in charge of anything? Yeah, the, the real streak throughout this is that Hollander <laughs> probably should have been put in charge of the science department <laughs> when you really think about it. Like, he's unethical, but he's at least unethical and gets results. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least he's doing like, proper gene therapy. Hojo's like, yeah, I'll just have the dog breeder. Yeah. That'll probably work. I know how anatomy works. I have a theoretical PhD <laughs> in biochemistry and biology. <laughs> so yeah, Project G created Genesis, which is soldier type G. And apparently Genesis has been starting to degrade and like Hollander is trying to find a way to cure him. Uh-huh. And so Hollander shows up as well as Genesis and he's like, oh, whoa, uh. And so Zach takes off after Hollander while Genesis quotes like stupid poetry to Sephiroth to convince him to join his side. And um, Sephiroth is like, no, this is not my time to go crazy. Right. That'll be later. That'll be later when I discover the exact same thing that we've just been talking about. <laughs> but Hojo did it to me, so it's different. But Hojo did it with different cells. <laughs> uh, yes. So 
Zack chases after Hollander, but Zack runs into Angeal instead, who, you know, sprouts a single white wink, and Angeal's uh-huh. like, I've become a monster. And Zack's like, no, you're not. While Angeal's like, no, I am a monster. Um, I have no honor. And then Zack says, literally the line, your angels are angel, your wings are angels' wings. Zack, shut the hell up. Angeal responds to this by punching the hell out of Zack and knocking him <laughs> into the slums below. Good. Appropriate response. Good, proper response. So, uh, just continuing the fact that Zach ba- that Cloud just basically does everything that Zach does. Zach mm-hmm. falls right? into a church, lands on a bed of flowers, wakes up next to the flower girl. Hey, what do you know? Yes, he does. Wow. Iris there. She has a new dress, or I guess an old dress. Her dress is uh, blue. It, it it looks very weird on her, given her primary color, colors are pink and red. Yeah, that's strange. Even Kingdom Hearts didn't try to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's... I'm not gonna fault him for doing that. It just, it, it just was weird to me. Yeah, kind of, kind of an odd choice, but okay. Yeah. So also, blue is kind of Tifa's thing. Is blue kind of Tifa's thing? Kind of. Uh, like when she is younger in Nibelheim during Cloud flashback, she has like a turquoise dress, hmm. and then her dress when she's going to see Don Corneo tends to be blue or indigo. Oh, I guess that's that's a good point. She does wear not, blue more often, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, it's it's not part of her primary color scheme, but it kind of comes up with her. Yeah, you know what? That works. I'll accept that. So yeah, they immediately like you know start talking. It like Aerith, unfortunately, like I don't like mm. Aerith's characterization in this game. Like yeah. it's it's something that I've kind of gone back and forth as I've um, after like watching all these cutscenes and doing like the write up and everything like. Mm-hmm. Being like, how do I actually feel about how Aerith is here? Because this is an Aerith that's four years younger. Right. So she's thoroughly a teenager. I th- think she's like 16 in this game. No, I think she's... Oh, jeez. I'm trying to think she's a year younger, a year older than Cloud. She's either 16 or 17. Okay. And, um, you know, she's obviously going to be a little bit younger and less less sure of herself. Mm-hmm. So she's like not quite like the playful, like sort of like gung-ho sort of person that you see in final fantasy seven you know the kind Mm -hmm. of like mom figure to you know cloud Uh, right which so like that it's one of those things where it seems like a very weird characterization it seems more in line with their characterization you see in kingdom hearts or avid children or whatnot yeah and i i think that's how they were intending to write her i don't think they're intending to write her as being just more unsure of herself Mm -hmm. um but uh, so I, I I think I overall don't like it, but I'm willing to give it a pass. Given that right. uh, she, I I can see that her as being four years younger, being like, okay, well I'm not going to speak up as much and whatnot. And you know, Zach's going to kind of take the lead in the conversation. Like Zach takes like kind of like the Aerith role of being more like, hey, how's it going? Like even like is like, hey, you saved me by me landing on your flower bed. How about I repay you with one date? <laughs> Zach, come on. Yeah. It's it's weird the other way around. It kind of is. And Aerith even is like, eh, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach's like, oh, uh, okay, well, I, I tried, you know. Mm. like, oh, man, these flowers are really cool. She's like, yeah, I planted a lot more in my house. Like, man, you should totally sell them. It's starting to do this prequel thing of where, like, hey. You right, know, all this the... is how this happens. Yeah, this is how Han Solo got his gun. Um. Yeah, they're doing that level. It's like, oh, yeah, no, Zach's right. the one who convinces her to be a flower girl. And Yeah, like, it couldn't have been just that she needed money to survive in a city, and so she figured out that she could sell flowers. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a thing that you can do 
to make money, which you need in the city, which she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's just a bunch of stuff like that all throughout Zach hanging out with Aerith. It's yeah. Yeah, this, this is the okay. reason why I said like why I like some some parts of uh, how they flesh out Zach and Eris' relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, this is definitely not one of them, right? So, yeah, I, I have you also point out Eris' look is so much more delicate compared to Final Fantasy VII. Like, yeah, she like wears sandals mm. and stuff. Yeah. Oh God, there it is. Yeah, and the weird glass hellhole slums that she lives in. Right. No, I, I said it that when we were talking about FF7, my favorite part of Aerith's design is her boots mm -hmm. because they are, it is, she has like the general aesthetic of like the holy maiden or, you know, the, the precious maiden. But mm -hmm. then she's got like this leather jacket and big ass stompy boots mm -hmm. because she lives in the bad part of town. Yeah. And like you don't want to step on glass in dainty sandals. No, you do and not. And it's just, it's just like this really cool visual characterization mm. of like, yeah, she's like sweet and fun and playful, but she also knows how to take care of herself and is living in a practical world. Nah, screw it, sandals. Yeah, this is something we're gonna really get into during the service, but I really hate how they've changed up a lot of the character designs and like fashion choices everyone has. Mm, mm -hmm. It's very reminiscent of Nomura's style and just uh, Square's artist styles during the 2000s. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. I understand why they did that. It really clashes with how Final Fantasy VII looked overall in a way yeah. that they really fix. They really fix yeah. hard in Final Fantasy VII Remake. They they aggressively go back to the to basics with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they Eris like, hey, how about I take you to the central slums and whatnot and like help you find your way back up? And so uh they go and kind of do that. Like Aerith during the entire time is like a weird downer. She's like, Oh man. Like Zach's like, you can go up to the plate and sell your flowers. She's like, Oh, I don't want to go up there because the sky is big and scares me and I don't care to see the sky. It's like, man, you're kind of a weird downer. Like, uh and it's like other stuff like that. Like, it's like she's very, very, very unsure of herself. Right. Oh, uh, by the that's, way. Oh, good. Uh, I was just going to say that I have interesting feelings about that particular characterization. Because mm -hmm. they bring it back in Remake. And I feel like it kind of works. It works in Remake. But it works more in the sense of like, hey, no, I kind of love where I live. And I love the people that are here. Right. Whereas this is just like, oh, no, no, the sky is scary. Because she doesn't elaborate on it further. Like, other than it's like, it's kind of big and she feels like she can be lost in it. Right. It's like, okay, and I guess. Not to, not to get into remake until the proper episode, but there are reasons where even that part that I could get lost in it mm -hmm. works in remake, but it's not going to work here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it is because they don't spend enough time with it and they don't right. build it up enough. Whereas Remake has all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Which, once again, we'll get to more of that when we get to it. But yeah, the thing with Crisis Course, it hops around so often mm -hmm. that, yeah, you just don't get the opportunity, even though right. you spend, you actually do spend a lot of time with Aerith in this game. Yeah. So, like, Zach, like, buys Aerith's bow for her, by the way. Like that happens. Why? Because once again, you know, you gotta explain everything. 
I guess it's sweet. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. she she wears this as a memento of him. That's fine. That's fine. It's Whatever. fine. Yeah. Like all throughout the scene is basically just people being like, man, Aerith, you should definitely date this handsome, strong JRPG protagonist. And eventually mm-hmm. she's like, like Zach's like, well, I got to find some other way to repay you. And she's like, ah, but I thought you were already repaying me with this date. And it's like, ah, oh, look at that. This is great. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. There's also a really fun scene where Aerith's like, oh, soldiers are weird and scary. And Zach's like, oh, man, hmm, this is kind of awkward. <sighs> By the way, I'm a soldier. She's like, oh, sorry about that. He's like, but don't worry, I'm not scary. Look at my eyes. <laughs> Just like, it's really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that all ends. And Zach gets a call that Genesis again has attacked somewhere. And he has to go back to the Shinra building. Like, he actually runs into Angel on the way and asks him for help. He's like, hey, Angel, you should maybe help us out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no. He's like, his enemies create suffering and you know whatnot. But I don't, I don't know if I could really help out. Anyways, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna help fly you to the top of the building so we can all meet up with Sephiroth. And so they all meet up, and I guess they're all friends again. It's like it's a really weird what? conversation where they halfway go back and forth, and Angel goes, "Oh no, yeah, I'm gonna help you now." Okay, okay, sure. Yeah, it's mm, don't like it. And we still yeah. figure out that Hollander's going to murder Hojo, which is good. Sure. And they need to help him. Uh, yeah. Help him okay. being Hojo, not not Hollander. Oh, or, damn. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so Zach goes to do that. So he's he's tasked with protecting Hojo, who's being he's being a weirdo. The one consistent thing out of all <laughs> the properties, you know, there's some mild character assassination that happens with everybody, not mm. Hojo. No. <laughs> they, they know how to write Hojo. No. The the closest you get is in Seven Remake. Hojo is actually like, okay, maybe I'll breed her with humans. Yeah, it's like, it's like that's not my Hojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the closest we get. <laughs> so Hojo's like a big weirdo, and he's like starts talking about Genova, and he's like, oh yeah, I was gonna basically do the same thing with that. Cause she's the real agent, but then you know. Hollander's doing right. his own thing. He's just an idiot, hack, fraud. Just upset that I got the chair. Yeah. It's too bad I never got the chance to do all that stuff with Genova cells. Nope, not ever. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Zach's like, wait, what do you mean by that? He's like, shut up and stop asking questions. You're supposed to protect me. It's like, <laughs> you're just monologuing. You can't just do that. Okay, fine. Genesis then shows up. He's like, I'm going to kill you, Hojo. And Hojo just no cells. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because at this point, he sees that Genesis' like hair is like starting to turn gray and his skin is starting to crack a little bit because he's degrading. Right. Like, that's the number one sign of the degradation in these people is that their hair starts to turn gray, their face starts to turn gray and crack. And for some reason, their clothes start to do that as well. Um, okay, sure. Which is, I'm not sure how that's how clothes work, but okay. Mm-hmm. Unless you like, are literally growing the clothes on you. But who knows? They're soldiers. They're weird. Yeah, sure. So. The- the, the clothes have Cetra cells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That has to be it. So, like, basically, Genesis needs to get Hojo's research because it might contain what they need to in order to, like, stop the degradation. And Hojo's just strip was like, ah, Hollander's not going to help you. He sucks. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Genesis quotes more of Loveless. This is where Hojo drops the knowledge that Loveless is an ancient play, which is, like, <sighs> as I point out here, which fucking why. Um, yeah. Also, why would Hojo know or, know or care? Yeah, right. Hojo does not seem like he would pay. Well, he would pay attention to ancient, like, Cetra stuff. So maybe yeah. he would know this, but. Mm. 
So Janice is obviously not going to get what he wants. And he's like, well, fine. I guess I'll just leave then. Blows a hole in the wall and flies away while Angel and Zach follow him. Wait, what? Yeah, he, he literally does nothing but just blow a hole in the wall and fly away. Why doesn't he try to kill people? Right. Wasn't that his plan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so, but no. Okay. There's, a, there's a lot of showing up being like, yeah, I'm here to kill you. Anyways, I'm going to leave now. Like, <laughs> okay. why, why are you here then? So, like, Zach and Angel go after him. Like, Genesis summons an even meaner version of Bahamut. Angel goes to fight Genesis, and they both disappear, and Zach's all alone, and he's sad. So, after the fight, Sephiroth shuts himself in the data room of Shinner HQ to do research, which is uh, usually a bad sign. You don't, mm. like, you know, I know this is plot foreknowledge, but don't let him do that. Right. And Zack's like, well, I guess I'll just go help Aerith with her flower business, because I promised I would help her do that. I guess she's my girlfriend now. But, like, before he could do that, Ed Shield be shows up. way better if it was Aerith's idea and she asked him to help her with the flower business. Or even yeah. if that was, if, if he was like, well, I gotta find some way to repay you. And she was like, oh, why don't you help me with my flower business? Yeah, that'd be great. That that'd would be, be great. But that would also that'd give, be super cute. That would also give agency to Aerith. Right, Nojima story. Yep. I forgot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Angel shows up. He's like, hey, listen, Genesis and Hollander are in a town called Modenheim. Modenheim basically being a very similar Bavarian style town to like Nibelheim. So, up in the right. mountains somewhere. Uh -huh. And so, like, Zach's like, all right. Well, I better at least call tell Aerith, you know, that I, I can't help her. And like, he ends up running to Sen on the way, who's like, no, no, you need to get to work. What are you doing here? And Zach's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm keeping an eye on Aerith. Like, wait, how do you know Aerith? He's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually good. That's actually really good. It is pretty good. Like, the literal line is like, hey, listen, if Aerith didn't tell you, I'm not going to tell you. And Zach's mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, all right, I guess I'll leave. <laughs> so he's, it's the same thing. He's like, don't li listen, I'll cover for you. Don't worry about it. Just get in your stupid helicopter well he actually goes with him actually now, now that i remember oh okay yeah zach singh and two shinra soldiers who immediately had get into a helicopter crash in the snowy mountains yay it's really great because it looks like zach's the only survivor and then like the camera like cuts like to like him, like what zach is looking at and it cuts back to him and then all of a sudden just, the three other people are there <laughs> it's like where did you all come from you were not on the ground were you in the flaming wreckage <laughs> Yeah, sure, you know. Yeah, so they hike through the mountains, and Sen, one of the soldiers, just having a hard time, but one of the other soldiers is able to keep up really well. Oh. And, like, like Cloud, like, jokes around. It's like, oh, oh well, I, I guess I just revealed it. It's yeah, Cloud. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and he, like, jokes around. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm from, like, a town just like this, so I'm kind of used to these conditions. And, like, Zach's like, oh, yeah, and I'm kind of from a country bumpkin town as well. And they make a joke, like, how, like, there's only reactions in the town and nothing else. <laughs> and then like that's when he takes off his helmet and it's like oh it's Cloud and like oh man we're gonna become best friends like immediately yeah this relationship is actually good because they actually it's act yeah it's actually pretty well done so far yeah cause like they immediately bond over the fact that they like there's like nothing in their towns like mm -hmm. Cloud makes some of the fact that Zack's hometown's name is Gungaga and it sounds weird as hell <laughs> <laughs> and he's like well what about Nibelheim it's like nah Nibelheim sounds 
fine probably he's like no it does he's like yeah you're right anyways <laughs> it's great uh freaking coal towns yeah yeah it's a lo- okay. they're technically they're technically are already coal towns in this world so yeah that's <laughs> their oil towns but not because they haven't discovered oil yet it's weird that they just slotted another energy technology in between coal and oil it really is it really is and then they just went i, I don't know oil got discovered that's cool right yeah yeah it's really dumb but unlike this relationship which is good but yeah they make their way to the mako excavation site and like you know, during that time, like, Cloud's like, yeah, man, I kind of want to join Soldier myself, but I'm not sure if I'm good enough. And Dak's like, ah, just work at it. Eventually, you'll get it. It's really not that tough. You know, okay, you're hiking through these mountains. You can do this. And so, like, you know, he's giving them pep talks, and it's really great. Yeah. Like, uh, so they get to the Mako excavation site, and, like, inside they find that Genesis is about to murder Hollander. And it's like, Why? oh, no. Also, Genesis is looking kind of old now. He's looking real degraded. Hmm. So it turns out Genesis is now looking for Genova cells. And after being told nobody knows where there are any Genesis cells are, he's like, okay, cool. I guess I'm just going to destroy the world. If I'm going to die, everyone else well, everyone else will. So Zack and Genesis get into a big dumb fight and Zack knocks him into the bottom of the reactor. And he goes, well, I guess he's dead. No me. So Zack makes his way to okay. Moldeheim proper and finds Cloud and Zang all like messed up. because And I called her, it's apparently gone away. Uh, so like Zach chases after him and he runs to Angeal and again Angeal's all sad that Genesis is dead and he decides to fight Zach for not really much of any reason mm-hmm, sure Hollander also then shows up and is like Angeal you have to do it for your family and reveals that Angeal's mom killed herself after finding out she was the catalyst for Project Gillian <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> oh it's really great so uh Project Gillian uh... Project Gillian mm-hmm. is basically uh, the is named after Angeal's mom, whose name is Gillian. Okay. See, she got Genova cells, and her DNA was placed in Genesis, which means Angeal and Genesis are technically brothers. Okay, wait, hang on. She got Genova cells. Yes. Who did that? Hollander. Why? At okay. some point. Just like... Because, see, he wanted to create two babies. He wanted Oh one, my god. He wanted one baby that wasn't born out of somebody who had Genova cells to see what happened. So he just uh-huh. gave gave Genesis to Genova cells. And then he gave Gillian Genova cells and had Angeal be born so he could see what would happen with him. And so that so what what happened with that is that it meant that Angeal doesn't degrade, but Genesis does somehow. Okay, so so basically Basically, children born of mothers who have the cells get the powers or get the cells passed on to them, but in a way that doesn't cause them to reject and break down yes. from it. Yeah, basically. Leading Hojo's further experimentation to... Yeah, there's a strong implication that Hojo just steals all of Hollander's work. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's silly. But, um, well, that part isn't that silly, but Project Gilead mm. is very silly. Right. So yes. and, yeah, yeah. Angel, when he found out about, it, basically got a bunch of despair. Felt like he didn't have any honor, and that's why he's been acting the way he is. And now that Genesis is gone, he feels like he doesn't really have much to live for. So he decides to summon a bunch of monsters because he can do that now, and fuses okay. with them, becoming a Chimera. Which then Zach he forces Zach to fight him. Zach has to kill him, and but before he dies, he gives him the Buster Sword and tells him to always protect his honor. 
And Zack's like, oh, okay. I'm very sad about this. He goes, Angeal! And it's very sad. Yeah. So, I... Yeah. Okay. Hooray, the game is over. Oh, wait, there's two more hours of cutscenes left. We're actually halfway oh through. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's like, no, this doesn't have to be... This. You You told the story. You've, you actually yeah, you, you could you end this here, actually. End it there. You could end it there. But no, we have to keep going. So, like, back at Aerith's church, like, Zach basically, like, cries and has a breakdown about this, and Aerith comforts him. Like, this, it's a pretty good moment. Okay. Like, you know, it's... Like, Zach is, like, for once, like, not the complete happy-go-lucky kind of person and really kind of mm. lost about who he is and why he's fighting for and what have you. So, mm. like, his dream of becoming a soldier isn't really real. And so it's it's pretty good. Like, sometime later, like, Zach's, like, doing orientation for a bunch of new soldiers, and he's basically now taking on, like, the personification of Angeal. Like, mm. his hair is different now. It's kind of longer, similar to Angeal's, and, like... He's telling like the soldiers to embrace their dreams and protect their honor, just like Angeal told him. Uh, and he turns out we find out that like the Turks have now been assigned pretty closely to him to keep an eye on him because they're afraid that well he's kind of had to murder his mentor and it's like is he actually loyal or not? We don't know. And like this even extends to Zach on vacation, like he goes to the beach and Cisne's there mm-hmm. hanging out and he's like, hey, how's it going, Cisne? You're keeping an eye on me, aren't you? She's like, no. Yes. Yes. Anyways, by the way, I just wanted to let you know Director Lazard is missing, and uh, he's also funding Hollinger's research. That's kind of weird, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Also, Zach, uh, your girlfriend, Eris, an ancient, and the Turks have been keeping an eye on her. <laughs> okay, that seems like a weird bomb to drop on someone while they're on vacation. Yeah, Zach's like, I- why are you telling me all of this? I don't really understand. And it, the reason being is because Cisne likes Zach. It like, kind of wants to not keep information from him. Yeah, that's that's kind of the whole reason behind this. It's kind of poorly done, but yeah, that's not gr- that's not fantastic. Um, it's not. Hey, no. out of curiosity, how many Turks got assigned to Sephiroth, who was basically the identical procedure to Angeal and Genesis, <laughs> and had an even closer relationship with the two, and had an even closer relationship with them as zero. Fantastic. Really, really messed that one up, I gotta say. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but this was Hojo's experiment, so it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He's Hojo's son. How could anything go wrong with How that? could anything go wrong with Hojo's progeny? <laughs> yeah. So, after all these bombshells, a bunch of Genesis copies shows up, and Zach's like, oh, what? Mm. so he beats him up and Singh shows up and he's like oh I guess Genesis must still be hanging around the light stream like some sort of terrible version of Sephiroth later mm-hmm. it's almost like he's being set up as a parallel Sephiroth almost like mm. the black wing everything uh you probably we probably should go figure this out Zach let's all go to Junon because I heard Hollander's there also once again director of Lazard's missing alright so they get there, they find Hollander. He's like, yeah, no, I'm still trying to help them out. I'm still evil. A bunch of angel people show up and take them away. <laughs> Genesis clones. Mm-hmm, right, yeah, Se- sure. Sef- Sephiroth shows up to tell Zack that Genesis copies are now all over the world. It seems real bad. Seems like something that, you know, would be a major event, honestly, in the world. You've heard about little it. little bit, yeah. Yeah, you would think that people would be like, oh, this thing again. Yeah. 
This seems really weird. Remember when the, all the weird angel people showed up? Uh, just memory hold that one. So, Zack ends up going back to, like, see Aerith and whatnot after all this, and, uh, turns out she has, uh, she's made a cool chimera monster friend that has Angeal's face on it. Just... Why? Oh, because, you know, Angeal's, like, still personifying himself through the live stream, wants to just make sure that they're doing okay. That's literally what that is. Okay, sure, I get- Can't she just talk to the live stream? Yes, that's actually something that, um, comes up for exactly two seconds at the end of the game. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, she just kind of forgot about that power, I guess. I guess so. I mean, to be fair, apparently Midgar is typically so noisy she can't actually hear the live stream that was established mm. in Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. Although it was also established in Final Fantasy VII that she could still hear the live stream. She... Yeah, a little but, bit. You know, whatever. You just got to go into that one alley. Just that one alley, exactly. So, uh, on top of that, uh, apparently really terrible little tank drones have been made that are apparently just on the hunt for Genesis clones and are also trying to kill Zack because it cannot distinguish between monster and soldier, capital letter soldier. Right, okay, sure. Zack's like, I guess maybe we are monsters. And it's like, uh, no, they're just terrible at their weapons. You should already know this. Freaking thanks, Scarlet. Mm-hmm. So Sephiroth gets intel that Hollander and Lazard might be at a nearby reactor. And uh, he also points out that, hey, depending on what he has to do, he might have to abandon Shinra. But he's like, but until then, I'm going to still be loyal, so don't worry about it. It's like, Wait, what? Yeah, because, well, you know, he doesn't want to kill his friends. And, uh, you know, and stuff. Okay, I get that he doesn't want to kill his friends, but, like, the... He has never even floated the idea that he would, like, actively turn against Shinra to do that. Yeah. Like, it's not a conflict in his mind. It's not, no. It's not indicated that he can't do both. Yeah, it isn't. But And it's just, like, randomly dropped by him, too. Just like, hey, listen, I'm just, I might betray you. That cool? Okay. Let's go and hang out and go on this mission together alone guy who cannot stand up to me at all <laughs> so cloud cloud geez zach goes to Aerith and tells him hey i might be gone for a while but um let me go help you sell flowers and this is really nice and yeah you should give me a call and write letters you should definitely do that write a lot of letters write 89 letters at least <sighs> and like saying is like hey don't worry i'm gonna keep Aerith safe and zach's like yeah thanks man you're the only one i can rely on and it's like Oh boy, buddy, he had bad news about what uh, he needs mm. Aerith for. Uh, poor guy. Anyways. Yeah. So back at base, Sephiroth's like, hey, by the way, we're going to Nibelheim. Also, Cloud's here. And I have here. Wait, what caps. happened to the what happened to the plot? Oh no, that's a nearby reactor they're gonna go to. Genesis has been spotted in Nibelheim. I have it all cast, by the way. Why is this connected? There is no reason. There is no reason. Oh my god, that's the worst. Yeah, they don't need to connect them. That's the worst. They should have ended the game right yeah. when at that clear point, and then here, they here's really a should have. Yeah, but no, they were like, no, we gotta, we gotta tie this story all throughout the game. Genesis has to be there at Nibelheim. He has to be. You gotta, you gotta. It's the worst. So they all go to Nibelheim, and it basically plays out more or less as you would expect in a Final Fantasy VII. 
Mm-hmm. Inexplicably sexy cowboy Tifa shows up. I have yep. her in. It's against the law for Tifa to wear a shirt. Uh, <laughs> she, has, she has like an exposed midriff, um, which I had totally forgotten was just the fashion at the time, which is why every every female protagonist or character in both this yeah. and Dirty Surfers has an exposed midriff. It's just yeah. it's only extremely noticeable. It's yeah. But it's 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 funny. It's funny. It, it is funny. So she's like sad that Cloud the Soldier isn't there. And Cloud, the not capital letter soldier, is like, eh. Mm-hmm. So they like montage their way up to the mountains uh, through the to the reactor. And like they fix the reactor like in the original. I guess the reactor does actually have a problem. So like their original mission is also still to fix the reactor, but also to find Genesis. It's okay, stupid. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and like Sephiroth does this whole thing. He's like, oh yeah, monsters in here are creative Mako energy, just like normal soldiers. And Zack goes like, hey, what about you? Are you created that way? And Sephiroth goes, oh, wait, right. This is the part where I put two and two together. Wasn't he supposed to lock himself in a library for a week and do a lot of research on that? Well, no, he he initially does go like, hey, is this how I'm created? And that's what causes him to lock himself in the library. Okay, right. Uh, but before he does that, Genesis shows up because... Because, of course. Yeah. And Genesis tells Sephiroth about the Genova Project... Literally tells him how Genova was excavated by Shinra and is a monster. Uh-huh. And tells him that Sephiroth was the perfect Genova project, unlike Genesis and Jeel, and he needs Sephiroth's cells to stop the degradation. Sephiroth tells him to go fuck himself, and Genesis flies away. Okay. Wait. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Does Genesis think Genova is an ancient... It is unknown if he like buys into the Shinra line that Genova is an ancient or if he actually knows that she's an alien. Because at the time, it is very clear that Sephiroth believes Genova is an ancient. Yeah. And that's how he makes the leap of logic to humans are destroying the planet that the ancients left behind. It is my legacy and my obligation to stop them. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think I think the implications that Genesis also thinks that she's a Cetra, but right unknown. Now, to be completely fair, it is a little bit contrived in the original game that Sephiroth starts asking these questions at the exact moment they are in the town with a library full of records on the Genova project. Yeah, outside the thing, outside the chamber that has Genova written on it, and yeah. your mom's name is Genova. Yeah, it is. It is extremely convenient for even the plot of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, having Genesis show up and just tell him everything, and then Sephiroth go, but what does it mean? <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, and it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's, un- it's extremely unnecessary. It's just like, listen, Genesis is our new favorite boy. We are going to insert him into every pivotal scene now. Yep. Yep. So bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. And yeah. Gact was a mistake. Gact was a mistake. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Sephiroth goes and does his whole thing where he locks himself in the basement for a week, comes out and is like, Zach, you're a traitor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Gonna go burr down the town, which is exactly what he does. Uh, mm-hmm. I have here, but boy, the music is not nearly as good this time, which is accurate. Yeah, um, yeah they just do not do Sephiroth's theme during this time. 
They, hmm. I don't know why. It's really that dumb. seems weird, given how obsessively the compilation does Sephiroth's theme at every other possible juncture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's like generic rock music. It's bad. Weird. Yeah. So Zach goes to confront Sephiroth. Uh, they have a big, dumb, epic fight on a bridge and in Genova's cell. Um, there's actually a pretty cool scene in it where, like, you were just trying to keep him from basically pushing you off a ledge. Mm. And the entire fight is like, yeah, just don't get pushed off the ledge. Just don't, just don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that way, makes sense. You're not going to be pushing him back. You can only stall him. Like, mm -hmm. it's, pretty, it's, it's a good way of That's establishing good. that yeah. Sephiroth is uh, out of his league. Yeah. Uh, so he gets bodied. Uh, and then Cloud shows up, uh, like, you know, gets the Buster Sword, runs in there, stabs him in the back. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks really goofy in this version because the Buster Sword is big and Sephiroth is thin, and that sword mm -hmm. is going through 90% of his waist. Yeah. I don't know how this man has not been bisected. But, uh... Well, I mean, he kind of ends up bisected. Well, that is true. I, I, I just mean he shouldn't be able to move after this. Right. <laughs> so, like... Sephiroth, like, you know, ends up injured. Cloud runs out, you know, rescues Tifa, has that whole thing. Zack's like, Cloud, finish the job. And Cloud's like, oh, right, okay. And <laughs> what happens is that Sephiroth doesn't walk out with the Genova head. Cloud goes back into the chamber. Oof. Yeah, he's like, which makes it really seem like Cloud being like, oh, right, shit, yeah, I, have to, I probably should have... I should, I should kill him. I should have done the double tap, right, yes. Yeah. That hmm. was a mistake. So he goes in there, he just gets absolutely messed up. Uh, um, and, like, he gets stabbed by Sephiroth, but this time he does actually throw him into the, to the mock -op. He does the, right. he does the thing he's supposed to do. So, mm. there we go, it's fine. I'm happy. Yay. So, they all end up passing out. You see Hojo show up and is like, I'm gonna give him all Genova cells! Ah. Yeah, sure. And, like, Zack has a dream of Angel showing up to taunt him while he's in the pod. He's not sure if it actually happens, but regardless, Zack breaks out and punches out an anime boy. Like, he's literally a scientist who just looks like an anime boy. He's not okay. relevant to the plot. He's just there. He gets punched by Zack. <laughs> sure. So he breaks Cloud out. Cloud's catatonic. And he's like, oh, boy. That's kind of messed up. I have here written, they couldn't even change their clothes. What the fuck, Hojo? Yeah, they've been, <laughs> they've been there for four years. <laughs> They're in the oh. same clothes. So Zach is sad. Is that, does that line up with the original? Did it take that long? It was four years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Zach is sad. Cloud is catatonic, but is like, oh, well, I'll figure something out. It'll be fine. He takes it back to like the house in Nibelheim they're staying in. Like he puts Cloud in like uh, one of his spare soldier uniforms. Mm. Uh, and so like he pulls, like Zach pulls like out a piece of paper because he's like not really sure what he's supposed to do and whatnot. And it turns out it's a wish, a wish list that Aerith gave him. Cause like Zach's like, Hey, why don't you give me a list of wishes? And that way I can fulfill them when I get back from my mission. And she's like, well, I have like 23 of them, but I consolidate them out down to one. It's just like, I just want to spend more time with you. And it's like, ah, that's sad. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it's a little clumsy, but it's fine. It's I guess. clumsy, but I, I was like, ah, that's fine. I like it. Because Zach's like, all right, no, I have a mission now. I'm going to get back to Midgar. Mm. We're going to go there together, Cloud. We're going to find work there. We're going to hang out with Aerith, and everything's going to be great. 
And so basically now it's time for our weird lone wolf and cub, except the cub is like a catatonic man. Yeah. Journey sure. as they <laughs> are on the run from Shinra. Crisis Core really could have been two games, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Or just one, honestly. Yeah, it could have just been one. But if they wanted to make a second game and just had it be just like Saka's on the run from Shinra soldiers and cast Protect Cloud, I would have been totally down with that. Because I actually really like this next part of the game. Yeah. When Genesis is not involved, anyways. Yeah. Unfortunately, Genesis is going to be very involved. So, Damn. So yeah, they're constantly on the run from like you know Shinra soldiers and having to fight them off and whatnot, and it's like never ending. Like mm -hmm. um, uh, Zach runs into Cisne, who's like, "Hey, how's it going? You're a fugitive, but you know I'm kind of disturbed about all this, and like, you know, man, is this really the mission I should be on and whatnot?" Mm -hmm. I have feelings for you and blah blah blah. Well, anyways, I'm gonna try to stop you. Oh, you're a soldier, right? I did right, not stand yeah. a chance. Soldier versus Turks has a very historical way of working out. Uh, very one-sided, it turns out. Turns out. So Sisney just like follows Zach back to Cloud and sees that he's completely catatonic and is like, oh wow, dude, that really sucks. And you're protecting him? Oh, huh. So she calls to saying is like, hey, I've lost the target. Don't know where he is. Probably he's like 30 miles in the opposite direction. <laughs> hey, Zach, uh, here's the keys to his motorbike. Uh, it has a nice sidecar. You can put Cloud in. You should uh, you should get out of here. And Zach's like, oh, uh, thanks. Appreciate it. So Zach uh, takes off towards Midgar. And like, during that time, he's like, man, Cloud, what are you going to do for work? Cloud gurgles. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty rad. I think I'm going to be a mercenary myself. It's going to be pretty rad. It's... It's poof sad and kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah. I think it works. He He's trying to stay upbeat. He's trying to stay upbeat. He's trying real hard. So he ends up like on this freeway and then like a bunch of Genesis clones show up and are like, hey, how's it going? We're here now. Uh-huh. Genesis you know, like, quotes more poetry and he's like, hey, yeah, we maybe need your your cells because you're, you have Genova cells in you. You have Genova powers. And one of the clones, like, take Zack's hair and eats it? And then they all fly away, except the one clone who ate the hair? Because he explodes into a monster? And so Zack has to, like, fight him? What? Yeah. I think they wanted to establish that um, Zack is actually not going to be viable to help with the degradation that Genesis is going through. By okay. showing this scene where if they do take some of the cells and put it into a Genesis clone, it just becomes a monster. Okay, and also, while sure. making Zack feel like he's actually a monster. Just like Angel felt. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I think they're trying to do here. I don't know. It's It seems like a very random scene, honestly. They're working really, really hard to establish soldier bad. Mm-hmm. Shinra bad. Yeah, they really are. Which, which is something that everyone's been on the same page of since the first five minutes of the first game in 1997. Yeah, it, it turns out they really didn't need to do more of that, but uh, I guess somebody decided they did. Somebody at Square was like, what if we needed, we need to really just nail down. Yeah, we need, we need, how many parallels between Shinra and monsters can we make? Like, we need to establish that they're the baddies. Can we do that? And Ojima's like, listen, man, I got a couple <laughs> of novels. So, so yeah, like, um, like Zach ends up going to Gungaga because he wants to check up to his on his parrots, which like yeah. Cisne shows up and was like, You 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 know we were gonna check here. You Right. 
are you stupid? Are you stupid? <laughs> and Zach's like, yeah, I guess it was kind of a bad idea. And she's like, well, I, I checked up on your parents. They're fine. Just want to let you know. So like, Zach's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, can you do me a favor and spend some time with them? You know, because they, they kind of get lonely. And she's like, yeah, don't worry. I will do that. They were already invited me to be a part of the family. It's great. It's like, oh, rad. What? Okay, sure. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, by the way, you have 10 minutes to leave before I call in, like, all the Turks. Right. You idiot. <laughs> and so, oh, and before she leaves, she's like, also, by the way, I heard that Angeal's uh, been spotted around here. <sighs> so, like... It's, they have no part left in the story. There's nothing for them to do. There really isn't. But they're going to try to make make the matter in here oh boy and how oh this next this next scene is really bad so mm -hmm. zach goes and like runs after this guy with a white wing but he instead he ends up running into hollander who apparently got the genova cells put into him and now has a very tiny black wing and also jess is there as well i don't think you can just inject people with genova cells i i guess hollander disagrees with you because that's what he did i Fair guess and the reason he did so is apparently after all the recent stuff that happened in Monaheim and whatnot, he ended up injured and was dying. And he's like, well, I'm going to put the cells in me. Wait, where did he get them? Well, he has some Genova jerky on him. I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. <laughs> Unexplained. Okay, great. Yeah, and this game that over-explains everything, that part, not explained. Yeah, like, the one source is under complete lockdown in Nibelheim, mm -hmm. and he is explicitly a fugitive of Shinra. Yeah. Yeah. He's not... He, if he could get cells, he could have put them in Genesis. Yeah. Although, apparently, that may not have worked. Well, yeah, sure, but he would have tried. Oh, no, I, I mean that it wouldn't have worked because it turns out um, they figured out they need a pure S cell sample. Oh, my God. What is that? Um, it's never really explained. I'm guessing it's supposed to be like a Sephiroth, Sephiroth cell sample. Right. Why? And it turns out there's only one person who has it. You want to guess who that person is? Is it? Is it Cloud? It's Cloud. <laughs> so like, Hojo, Why? They really want, they had to establish another connection between Cloud okay, and Sephiroth is, here. They had is to. Is this why, is this, is this what they're going with? This is why Sephiroth is obsessed with Cloud now, because Cloud has the S cells? It might be. They never this, really elaborate this past actu this. This is actually Dragon Ball level bullshit. Isn't it? <laughs> this is actually shit that Dragon Ball pulls. <laughs> Turns out this Cloud's is... been insane all along. God, oh my god. Oh my god. Our three of Final Fantasy Seven is gonna have him and Sephiroth team up. This is this is so dumb. This isn't this isn't how cells work. <laughs> no, it's not. But they decided it is now. <laughs> and if they if they were G cells because of whatever was his her name, shouldn't they be looking for L cells from Lucrezia? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Because that was the equivalent. Yeah. But they need the S cells, which I guess would be what? Second generation Genova implant? Third generation? Yeah. Although, to be fair, I don't think Lucretia ever actually 
got Genova cells. I think they were just directly oh, implanted right. into. Well, actually, I'm unclear. I'm unclear yeah. about that because if if it wasn't that case, then I think the original explanation is that they were put into Sephiroth directly when he was still in was utero. in utero. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that would not jive with how. They're explaining it in this game with degradation right. and whatnot. It's all well. Muddy. Maybe maybe the middle ground is why Sephiroth is the strongest one. Maybe because the Genova cells are still directly his, but because of his mother, mm. he doesn't degrade from it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. No, let's go with that. That sounds good. <laughs> so. Zack runs back to Cloud. You know, like, Hollander's there basically doing, like, a little creepy sneak-up on Cloud. It's really funny. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, like, but then, like, Angeal shows up, and, like, he's, like, wearing, like, a nice suit for some reason that's also degrading. Like, Angeal's clearly degrading as well. And he, like, Hollander actually, like, pushes him off. Like, he's, like, not able to fight for some reason. And it's, so, like, Zack has to, like, take out Hollander himself, which he does. And oh, yeah. now Hollander's dead. Cool. And so he goes to Dan Giel's like, Banda, thought you were a first-class soldier. What's going on, buddy? Like, he's joking around with them. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not actually a first-class soldier. Because I'm actually Lazard. I'm Director Lazard. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I got the Oh, yeah, we never found him, did we? We never did, no. Oh. <laughs> Turns out I got the cells put into me. But I got Angeal's cells put into me, and it turned me into a clone of Angeal. Oh. Okay. Mmm. Hmm. I kind of see where they're trying to go with this. Mm -hmm. They're trying to replicate the Sephiroth clone subplot. Mm -hmm. The problem is the Sephiroth clone subplot is notoriously underexplained. Yep. And doesn't really hold up to any manner of explanation. Yeah, no, it really doesn't, but... They're gonna they're gonna try to do a parallel here because why not? Sure. And it's such a silly parallel because like, well, first off, Lazard's okay. Lazard's backstory and motivation are great because he's like, hey, listen, I okay. wanted revenge. This is the reason why I did this to myself. Uh -huh. Because you okay, see, revenge on who? Well, Shinra. Because you see, Lazard was born in the slums and he rose to become the director of soldier, but he should never have been in the slums in the first place because he is the illegitimate son of president Shinra. In fact, he is Rufus's older half brother. Okay. Yeah. So, he okay. So he met Genesis while he was director of soldier and like, he learned about what happened to Genesis. It was like, man, that's kind of messed up. And they learned about his own true origins. And it was like, that's pretty messed up. We're both kids who were poor. And then we, well, Genesis wasn't poor. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, okay. Yeah, we have nothing in common, but we should do things anyway. This is still bad. And so I feel sorry for you. And uh, yeah, we should betray Shinra. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm a little bit down with just the progeny the terrible asshole progeny of Shinra continuing to cause problems for people. Yeah, right. It it works. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. But yeah, he feels bad about this. And he, now he wants to like stop, stop the Genesis. Cause he's like, well, yeah, he kind of wants to destroy the world now. Um, apparently he's come up with an entirely dumb plan too. That will be Why explained in a second. Why is still a thing? <laughs> Yeah, it. Oh god, the dumb plan he's gonna come up with is gonna be bad. But first, they got to figure out where yeah. he's from, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so it turns out there was a dumb apple that's near them. And they're like, oh, oh my God. A dumb apple. And like, Lazard's like, yeah, they only grow in one place. And Zach's like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. His entire base of operations has been in Benora, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I guess we got to go to Benora. But before they leave, Lazard's like, Zach, what's your dream? It's like, oh my God. And Zach's like, my dream is to become a hero. And Lazar's like, yeah, unattainable dreams are the best. All right, let's go, buddy. All right, it's a decent callback. It's a decent callback. I liked it. So, Zach, uh, Lazard, and Comatose Cloud all go to Menora. <laughs> I feel like he should have figured out something else to do with Cloud. Oh, he did. And that's called, Lazard, why don't you protect Cloud? And Lazard's oh like, my- okay. That's a terrible plan. Yeah, it's going to be a terrible plan. You better believe it. So, at Benora, it turns out, like, the live stream just started spewing out of the ground, I presume, because of the whole airstrike thing. Sure, yeah. And it turns out what's going to happen is that Genesis is going to absorb all of the live stream there and, like, become, like, just the most powerful monster ever and use that to destroy the world. He's going to do Sephiroth's plan. Right. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to work? No, as we'll find out. Okay. Because I was going to say, if that's all it takes, like, Sephiroth could have just hijacked the Sister Ray. Yeah. If that's all the level of destruction you needed, Meteor's kind of overkill. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, like, he runs into Genesis in, like, a cavern underground, who's like, hey, yeah, I'm in front of this statue that's holding, this ancient statue is holding a dumb apple. Kind of weird, huh? Sure. Anyways, you know, Genesis had a final act and that final act you know talked about how three friends would come together and how they would reunite and how they would all fight and that would determine the fate of the world essentially and you you basically contain like the spirit of Angeal and Sephiroth with you so I guess the three friends reunited now yeah but only I I know my interpretation is that I'm supposed to win that's how it's gonna work okay so okay. he absorbs some of the live stream and becomes a monster and then Gets ended up beaten up. Like he gets gets completely just defeated by Zach. But when he gets defeated, he reverts back to normal. Like he's like not degrading anymore or anything like that. And like uh-huh. he tries to like attack Zach. He's like, uh, I think this is kind of done, buddy. I don't think you're <laughs> not going to be able to do this. But Jess is pretty insistent. He's like, No, you're going to fight me. Fight with your honor. Fight with Angel's honor. And then like an actually pretty kick in battle theme like steps in. Like I think it's like the soldier theme from the game. Uh-huh. And they have a cool one-on-one fight that's actually kind of neat. And unfortunately, though, it ends with Zack disarming him. And, like, like he's just unable to, like, do anything more after that. Like, he just sort of stumbles injured towards the statue, looks up to the statue holding a dumb apple, and he sees that it starts glowing. And then the statue turns into a Valkyrie. The Valkyrie what? then looks at Genesis and smiles. I think this is all in Genesis' head, by the way. Okay. Um, and then Genesis' soul falls out of his body, gets absorbed by the light stream, and explodes. Okay. It seems to be implicated that this Valkyrie slash statue is essentially the planet Earth itself, reclaiming Genesis and and destroying him, reabsorbing him back into the light stream, as all life will once it dies. With that, sure. Yeah. That was my interpretation, anyways. Yeah, sure. 
Anyways, the statue then falls apart, uh, and his lifeless body falls to the ground. And, like, this whole thing is, like, dumb apples are basically supposed to be, like, like nourishment of life and, like, just the most delicious thing in the world. And, like, Genesis uh-huh. made, like, a really cool juice out of them. And it's just, like, man, it's just, like, the gift of the planet to the people. And so it's it all comes full circle here. It's mm-hmm. silly. So back on the surface, like, Zack pulls out Genesis' lifeless body. And he sees that Lazard is, like, wounded on the ground. And Zack is just in a chair. Zack, I mean, Je- Cloud is in a chair. Uh-huh. Also, Eris and Shield Dog showed up and saved all of them, but now he's dead. He died, just defending him. And okay. Zach gets real depressed about this because it's basically like the last vestige of Angeal is now gone. Anyways, Lazar is also like, yeah, man, he protected me. Anyways, I'm dead now. Bye. <laughs> I feel like the, the game just went, okay, the story's over. Gotta sweep away these extraneous things now. Yep, pretty much. There, the, there you go. Put him under the dirt. The very next scene, something kind of hilariously depressing happens as Zach puts dumb apples in everyone's lifeless hands. What? And goes, all right, everybody. I heard these things are delicious. Let's eat. And it eats the apple. Wow. <laughs> so, so weird. That, Zach's really going through some moments. He really is. Although this does cause Genesis to wake up and he's like, hey, I guess the dream came true. I guess, you know, I was wrong, but your dream came true. And yeah, I don't feel like destroying the planet anymore. Rad. That's good because you're dead, dude. That's right. Immediately dies. Okay. (laughs) After that, Lazar's body just dissolves into like Mako. It just floats away. Oh, sure. And so does yeah. the... Go ahead. I, I feel like that happens in FF7 a lot. People just sort of dissolve into the life stream. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of more of a Final Fantasy X thing overall, but it does happen in Final Kind Fantasy of, VII. yeah. Yeah, and then Angeal's... Angeal Dog also does the same thing. He also disappears. He leaves behind a letter. And he's like, oh, it's always a letter from Aerith. And apparently she's been sending 89 letters or, or so. And she's like, this is my final one. It's been four years. And Zach's like, wait, uh, it's been four years. Uh, uh, also, your final letter, what do you mean? Uh, uh. So we still have a little bit of an epilogue. Mm-hmm. So Cloud and Zach are back on the road. Only this time they're now in a pickup truck, like on their way onto the outskirts of Bidgar. Right. Famous He's- scene. Yep. We see that uh, there's a bunch of helicopters about to take off with a bunch of Turks with saying, being like, hey, listen, Cisne, Reno, Rude, you need to get him back alive. I mm. have 88 letters I need to give to him. They are literally on my desk, and I'm annoyed by this. <laughs> we need to save his life. The army's going to find him and kill him, because they're idiots. Mm-hmm. Please save him. And so they go take off, and like Cisne's like about to find him, but he's like hiding in the pickup truck, so she just barely misses him, flies over, and then... Like, that's when they all get attacked by the army. Mm. And Zach's like, all right, Cloud, you just hang out here. Walks over to basically all the Shinra soldiers and helicopters and whatnot. And is like, mm. ah, well, time to be a hero, I guess. And the final fight of the game starts where you fight an endless wave of Shinra soldiers until you lose all your health. It's actually really good. This is actually the proper, correct way to end this game. It is. It is really, really good. 
And so it ends with a first-person view, view being in Zach's first-person view, of him just getting just riddled with bullets, <laughs> falling to the ground, having a Shinra soldier walk over, point gun at face, pull trigger. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, somehow, this is not actually a headshot, so I guess the POV was from literally his chest. His chest, yeah, sure. So that's a little weird, because Cloud, like, just wakes up and, like, wanders over, and mm. Zach's like, hey, Cloud take my sword you're gonna carry my legacy you gotta live for both of us now and cloud basically just repeats that for verbatim he's mm -hmm. like yeah that you need to go and live he's like live it's like yeah you gotta gotta be like me he's like gotta be you he's like uh uh oh dies uh -oh. <laughs> hmm. cloud then screams oh also like Zach like puts his hand on Cloud's face, just gets blood all over him, which is messed up. Right. And it's also raining, it's sad. And then mm -hmm. Zach dies. Cloud then screams, and in Midgar, it starts to rain in the church unexpectedly. And Aerith gets a premonition that Zach has died. Also, she's actually wearing her appropriate dress now. Okay. And that's the game. That is Final Fan. Oh no, no, no. What well, is the end of the game? Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Uh -huh. But there's one more scene when two shadowy silver haired figures show up to Jess's body and go, we found you, brother. You, it's not your time to die yet. Oh, my God. They grab him and put him on a helicopter. Who are these silver haired shadowy figures? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out next week as we talk what? about a little game called Dirt Cerberus. God. <laughs> They couldn't oh let Genesis go. They couldn't let Genesis go. They couldn't let... No, Gact would not let them. You would not. <laughs> Sephiroth who, God damn it! Oh my god, what they're gonna do with Genesis in Dursha Cerberus is so... so bad. Oh... I can't oh. wait to talk about Deep Ground. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I hope you like nine-year-olds who are actually 19. Anyways, Alex, how are you feeling? Uh, I, man, they're, okay, so here's the problem. I, I started this by saying that it's really hard to make a good prequel. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that the part of this game that's actually a prequel to FF7 isn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. The, the parts of this that are Zack and Cloud and Aerith and Sephiroth and Seng like leading themselves up to FF7 are actually pretty competent. Yeah, they actually work. But then they've got to do this, but what if there was a proto Sephiroth? Yeah. And the answer is it's that stupid. Yeah, because it's just basically Sephiroth, but he's so cooler, man. He's, he's just yeah, totally cooler. But it makes Sephiroth not make sense. It really doesn't, because yeah, it's he's literally just Sephiroth down to his motivations down to yeah. his ultimate plan and here's here's the biggest problem that I didn't even have a chance to bring up hey Sephiroth goes crazy because he locked himself in the library and discovered his origins mm -hmm. you mean the origins that his buddy Zack knew about for like a year <laughs> and just never told him I guess yeah right 
also his origins that like were told to him directly by Genesis, and he's like, "Oh, huh. oh, well, uh, that's guess weird. I should research this." Yeah. Well, later. Yeah, later. Yeah, it's it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And they and they need like, okay, well, why didn't Zach tell him? Zach never told him, "Hey." Well, I guess, okay, I guess Sephiroth heard his own origins, but assuming that he didn't hear that because he didn't know them in Nibelheim, Zack was like, oh, those are Sephiroth's origins. I guess I better not tell him. And then offhandedly mention, oh, gee, I wonder if that's like those monsters that happened, to, that happened here. Well, to be fair, it's pretty well established in the story that Zack is incredibly bad about putting two to two together. Yeah, yeah, I guess... Even when it's blatantly obvious. It, yeah. It doesn't make sense. And then he's got to be like, well, I'm on the run from Shinra with my catatonic pal, mm -hmm. but I guess I better make a detour to fight the angel trying to end the world. <laughs> yeah. It, that did not need to happen. It should have just been, hey, they're on the road and things are just getting increasingly bad for them. Yeah. Increasingly dire. Like, I want to play that game so bad. That Yeah, that's good. But unfortunately, it's more 60% Genesis, 40% that in that final final chapter. <sighs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I did. I, I wrote on Twitter how, like, Crisis Core was kind of making me hate Final Fantasy VII retroactively. And yeah, revisiting this doesn't change it, it turns out. No, I... I'm real, real curious what they're going to do with Reunion. Because, mm -hmm. like, if they're not... A number of things about Remake almost feel like they're... I guess they're not trying to run away from it that hard, but it feels like they're trying to just sort of ignore it or even, like, make fun of it a little bit. They... The thing is, they bring those characters in there, like, by Kyrie right. novels, or even, like, Weiss shows up and a few other Deep Brown people in uh, right. Retrograde, for instance. Yeah. But, like, they make it work. Yeah. In a way they, that shouldn't. But a lot of that sort of seems like they do that by, like, pushing it off to the side. Yeah. Like, you go over here where it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. But and yeah, like, like, what are they going to do here? Are they going to like how? Yeah. How directly are they going to acknowledge Genesis in the further games? It it feels like you shouldn't. You should just ignore it. Mm. Ignore that it happened. That's the thing. I would think that too until I remembered that they are remaking this, well, remastering this game and releasing it yeah. this year. So right. So bringing it right into everyone's like forefront of consci consciousness. It's like. Well, why are you highlighting Genesis? Mm-hmm. Genesis breaks everything else. It really does. It, yeah, I, I, I do not look. I, I will say how where Genesis ultimately ends up after Durs of Cerberus is is in a way that could establish him different from Sephiroth, but mm -hmm. we ain't there yet. And by the time he would theoretically show up in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, he could sort of be there, but he probably isn't. He could, but also... And here's, here's ultimately the problem, mm -hmm. I think, is you could definitely tweak and rework and wrap things around Genesis that'll make him work as a different thing. Mm -hmm. 
But who cares? Yeah. Why are you putting in the effort? No one cares about Genesis. Hmm. And the fact that Seven Remake seems to be going, no, we're going to bring all of the compilation into the... Stop. It's over. It happened and we moved on. No one cares anymore. Yeah, you don't have to. Square Enix is the only ones who still care about Seven compilation. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, between this and Ever Crisis, I'm very... I'm... I'm very hesitant with what they're going to do. Like so far, they've done a good job with it. I mean, yeah, but we'll, I we'll I like Seven Remake for the most part, and we'll get into the lesser part when we talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's still someone at Square who's like, no, but the compilation though, and it's like there no, is somebody beating that drum, and I wonder who it is. No one cares about the drum anymore. Mm. We all watched Advent Children. We all played Crisis Core. We all laughed at Dirge of Cerberus because it deserves to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. And then we moved on. It's been over a decade. Yeah. Just stop. We're good now. It's fine. Just stop. Worry about Final Fantasy VII. That's what people still care about. Mm-hmm. Compilation came and went. You don't need to still care about it. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, though, I don't think Square's going to heed that advice because they, no. they see the dollar signs. Yeah, and that that's ultimately the thing. Of The obvious answer is someone thinks the compilation is money on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we could, we could squeeze the seven nostalgia, but what if we squeeze the compilation nostalgia too? And the answer is everyone hates compilation at this point. No one wants compilation back. Yeah, it's not particularly well regarded anymore yeah we'll we'll see i mean hey we got a you know just a couple of months we're gonna have two two bits of compilation material drop and we'll see if uh that bears true but that will be for later yeah i think i think this will probably be a good time to go ahead and wrap this up uh now we're finally done with zach's story for now anyways Mm. remake's gonna have some interesting things to say about that Oh boy, does it look like it will. Oh yes, it does. But for the moment, we're now done with Zach. And next week, it's gonna be we're gonna be talking about the Turks. Because we're gonna have two other games to talk about. Before Crisis, oh a very, very useless Japanese phone game. Mm-hmm. And Dirge of Cerberus. Oh boy. Oh, a video boy. game. But that once again is gonna be for next time. Alex, do you have any final thoughts before we go? I would have really, really liked it if Barrett's novel had ended with Aerith coming to him in a dream and being like, Barrett, sweetie, this oil thing, no, please, please no. Please not that. Let let me tell you about solar cells. Let me tell you about wind power. It's it'll be but fine. You don't want to go down the oil route. I mm, mm, That would have been good. That would have been good. Uh that she just occasionally rains and heals diseases. Yeah, she's yeah. Mm. But yeah. Well, Alex, I appreciate you joining me on this journey as always. Of course. And for those of you who want to see or listen to more episodes of Falling Through Plot Holes, you can go to ftp.podme.com or search through Falling Through Plot Holes on your podcast service of choice. Of course, leave a like and follow and all that good stuff. SEO the hell out of us. We'd really appreciate it. But with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. 
Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you.